Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Sean Kerrigan from Ford versus Ferrari, and I'm here chatting with Elias, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. Yo, Adrian. I did it. A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the man cave. Your host, Elias. Sean, welcome to the cave. Hey, thanks for having me, man. How are you, man? What's new with you? You know, just uh, just got done working with John Cena on a commercial that's coming out soon, and uh, and uh, you know, looking for another another gig after that, and then just uh, you know, we're all really excited about the success of uh, Ford versus Ferrari, so we're excited to got nominated for an Academy Award. I did see that the other day. Congrats on that. Yeah, thanks, man. So, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So, uh, you know, I was doing some research on you, man. You've been busy, man, with your life, man. You started as a professional boxer, then you got into acting with numerous TV show appearances and movies and commercials and even stand-up comedy, man. How did you do all that? You know, it's uh, I've been at it for about 19 years now. Uh, moved out to L.A. January 2001. And it's just been, an, it's, uh, been a grind and an up-and-down up, up and battle, Um you just kind of you uh, you just kind of get yourself get yourself to the point where you're ready for the opportunity to present itself. And I've been lucky enough uh, to be ready for those opportunities when they came along. I mean, trust me, it's been a bumpy road along the way. Yeah. And I just, I try to busy myself with as much stuff uh, as I can to keep me flowing creatively, and and the rest is history, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I want the listeners to get to know a little more about you. Where are you originally from? So I grew up in Miami. Uh, I spent time, um, you know, in Miami and then also in D.C. My I was born right outside D.C. in Northern Virginia, and then my parents split when I was uh, when I was four, and my mom and I moved down with uh, uh, we moved down to Florida with my sister, and I grew up in Miami, Florida, uh, Miami Springs to be exact to be exact. Um, spent a lot of time spent my summers and winters up in the dc area so i always kind of felt like i had almost two homes growing up yeah and then when i graduated high school graduated uh my from i graduated from miami Springs senior high school and then i decided to go up to new york and went to school in new york for three years i wrestled in college my two sports in in high school were wrestling and boxing okay. um i came from a bo- i came from a boxing family and that's how I learned how to box. My dad trained fighters, and he trained me and my brothers. And uh, and so I went up to New York, but I also wrestled, and I wanted to go to college. I knew in high school I wanted to I – ha- I had a set of goals that I wanted to do. I, I wanted to try to wrestle in college, uh, become an All-American, and then I wanted to have, a, I, let's say, five, six pro fights. I ended up having eight pro fights. Uh, I had an extensive amateur career from that, and then uh, and then I wanted to become an actor. And I used to tell people that my senior year in high school, and I think everybody <laughs> looked at me like I was crazy because that was my game plan. My game plan, you know, because I was a I was a I was a pretty um, a pretty good wrestler in in um, um, in high school. My senior year, I was I was twenty eight and two. 
went to the state championships, and so I wanted to continue that in college. I went off to college, uh, wrestled Division One at uh, at uh, Manhattan College for three years, then uh, transferred to George Mason University, finished out my, my wrestling career at George Mason University, uh, which is right outside D.C., and then that way I was I was close to my dad. Started went right as soon as I graduated college, went right back into boxing. Fought all over the country as an amateur uh, boxer. Fought in the national championships and you know won the Golden Gloves a bunch of times. And then and then turned pro in '98. And I fought professionally from '98 to 2000. And uh, I had I was eight and zero as a pro. And my fights were starting to get tougher, and I knew that. I knew that I wanted to be an actor. That was mm-hmm. part of the plan, you know, um, you know, from when I was in high school. And so I just knew that it was, it was time. It was time to give up, hang up my gloves. And I went back to New York for a little bit. Had, I was having no, no success there. I was, I was bouncing it uh, at a club called the China club in New York uh, for about six months up there. And, was having no luck. I think I, the most acting work I did was I, I was an uh, an extra on As the World Turns or one of those one of those New York yeah. soap operas. And then I just decided to come out to L.A. and do a bunch of casting director workshops out here. There's a group of actors that were coming out to L.A. Uh, for a week to do all these casting director workshops. So I. I thought to myself, all right, I'll drive out. I'll stay for a month and see if I have any luck out there. And I drove all the way out here and did the casting director workshops for a week. And then one of the casting directors said to me, if you want to be an actor in LA, you got to stay in LA. And so I just never left. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and and slowly, as the years went on, all, like that group of actors that I came out here with from New York, some of them stuck around for a little while. But slowly, each as each year went on, they, you know, one would go home, and then another year, another one would go home, and then sooner or later, I was the only one left out of that group, and I just, I just never left. Wow. I just never went back. Wow. So when you were growing so, up, when you were growing up, and you were telling people you wanted to be an actor, was there like certain specific movies that? You, you're watching growing up and you're like, yes, this is what I want to go do someday. Well, my poor mom, I used to go watch movies and I'd come reenact them for her. <laughs> and so, and she, you know, she's, she's a wonderful woman and has incredible amounts of patience. She's a poor lady. She'd sit there and just, you know, and listen to me carry on about this movie. And then I'd say, and then mom, and then Harrison Ford, you know, uh, Han Solo did this. You know, and then Luke Skywalker did this, and I, you know, I described the movie and whatever movie it was, or, you know, I I tell her all about Goonies and yeah. <laughs> and uh, awesome. and and so yeah, so she uh she you know she she dealt with that for quite a while, and God bless her. <laughs> so, she knew she knew I wanted to be, she knew I wanted to be an actor. And so then when I got in high school, I I took drama. I took drama in high school. So not only was I, uh, you know, into sports, but I also I also took drama in high mm-hmm. school. So uh, when you when you first moved out to L.A. and you did the the acting classes and everything, what was your first gig? Do you remember? And out out in L.A. Uh, my, it's so funny. Uh, believe it or not, my first acting gig in L.A. was 
I think I think it was February or February or March two thousand one. I I did an under five roll, which means under five means under five lines. That's what they call it on the Young and the Restless. That okay. was my first gig, and I w- I played a cop, and I had I had you know I I had some line like yeah we looked we looked uh, you know I checked with the manager of the hotel. They said he's not here. I don't. Know, we were looking for somebody. I think we were looking for a character named Shark at the time. And uh, I didn't really know a lot about the show. And I didn't know that uh, 13 years later I would be cast on it as Stitch, which, uh, you know, I was on the show for uh, three and a half years. Yeah, uh, um, that was actually my next question. Like, you, uh, after that, you went for three and a half years. Tell us about your audition for the second time around when you when you got the, the role. Well, Yeah, well, the second time around, I mean, obviously this is, you know, Fast forward to, I'm sorry, let me see, it was, uh, it was 2001, so 12 years later, May 2013, I think I got the audition in April uh, 2013, and it was only for a character that was supposed to be on for four episodes, it was a recurring character on for four episodes, and he was a medic in the war, in the Afghanistan war, and he comes to town to, to back up. Uh, one of the other uh, characters who is a regular, this character named Dylan, played by Steve Burton, he was he was new to the show as well, uh, but they had hired him on as a, a series regular, and they wanted they wanted to have some to help explain his backstory, and so they brought me on to be his old army buddy, who was a medic in the war named Stitch because I stitched a guy up, and uh, we, he and I hit it off, and. We uh, the episodes went really well, and then they kept giving me more episodes. Um, I think I did like twelve or thirteen episodes, at, uh, you know, until until they finally offered me a contract role, which I was I was blown away when when wow. I got when I got the for the contract role. Tell the so I was, yeah. I was actually visiting New York. I was actually visiting New York the day uh, the day I got the call. Oh wow! And so. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. So, like, if the listeners don't know this, like, the soap opera in the world, the soap opera, you, you guys, like, every day, you guys work every day, all day, right? Yeah, it's, it's well, your character doesn't, you don't always work uh, every day, because sometimes you'll get loaded up, uh, they'll shoot a bunch of episodes back to back, but it's, it's a full day, it's, when you have, when you have a few episodes that you're shooting in one day, because they'll shoot 80-something pages a day. Yeah. The Young and the Restless has been number one in daytime television for about 28, 29 years, maybe 30 years. I, I forget now as time's gone on, but uh, they've been number one in daytime television for a very long time. And it's a it's a fast-moving train, and if you can't keep up, you they'll, they'll bounce you. Yeah. You know, just because you're on contract, just because you're on contract doesn't mean they can't fire you. They'll get rid of you every 14 week work cycle. I mean, they can get you, they have 14, they're get, you're guaranteed a 14 week work cycle. And then after that, you know, they'll, they'll keep you on, but they, they, in their contract, they can fire you after, after 14 weeks. Really? So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a quick pace. You need to be able to perform and you need to have a character that, you know, the, the fans, you know, can relate to. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to have all those things. I think it's just you know the planets lined up, and uh, that's what happened, man. Mm, that's so awesome. I was just I was just lucky. Yeah, I was I was in the right place at the right time, man. Yeah. 
Now you've done also some commercials too, as you mentioned earlier. You just did one, John Cena. Yeah. yeah. Tell us uh, about the commercials. Uh, you know, man. Uh, I for a long time there. I, you know, back in uh, about two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, uh, I did a movie called. Well, I was on a TV show called uh, The Next Action Star. They thought it was going to be like the next American Idol for actors. Um, and it was like, it was like you know, each week you, you competed in a screen test against other actors and, you know, someone would get eliminated each, each episode and until it was down to one guy and one girl won it. And then those, those two got to go star in their own action movie. Uh, on NBC, the TV movie on NBC. It was produced by Joel Silver and NBC. And uh, and they thought it was going to be like the next American Idol, but for actors. Yeah. And it just didn't, it just didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't hit with the public, I think, because they, the way they shot it at the time, they sh- kind of shot it more like uh, the real world where they showed a lot of the drama in the house between contestants and stuff. And I think the things that people wanted to see was they wanted to see the acting coaching that we were getting, the stunt training that we were getting, uh, the screen tests, what went into, you know, memorizing your lines and getting into the character. They just didn't go into that stuff enough. And I think that's why people initially tuned in because they wanted to see what it took to be an action star. And instead most of most of the episodes were a lot of the stuff, a lot of the drama that was going on in the house between contestants, and people had already seen that. Hmm. But so unfortunately, we didn't have the audience that they thought they were going to have. But I did end up winning it. I won it with a girl named Corinne Van Richtergroot, and her and I went off and shot this movie in Cleveland in in, in secret because we couldn't let anybody know who won the show. So I had a I had a stage name <laughs> that I was going by. I was going by Sonny Hopkins was my stage name, and then the character's name was Sonny Briggs. And uh, and so, anyways, um, so we shot this movie, and and I you know I just don't think at the time in 2004 I was ready to carry an action movie because there's a lot that goes into carrying a movie, and I was. I think at the time I was, I, I was probably, you know, I had studied at a, at a theater, uh, the Beverly Hills Playhouse. And, and I, I had had experiences where like I could be good in a scene, but then, you know, to carry a whole movie is a whole different story. And you, you know, you have to, you just have, it's, it takes a lot of experience because, and you also have to be prepared, you know, if it's all of a sudden one day it's raining and you can't shoot outside and you've prepared, you've prepared all that stuff. You got to be able to, you know, go to page sixty-seven and shoot the stuff that's interior hmm. because it's raining outside. Yeah. And that that kind of that kind of preparation and you know, learning a script, I think, came over time for me. And and I just wasn't ready for it. So the reviews came out and they weren't they weren't wow. very kind. I think I think one of the reviewers said. Sean Kerrigan has a better chance of modeling leather jackets than ever being an actor. And so, <laughs> oh man, that's rough. <laughs> that's rough, man. That's rough. Yeah. So I took it on the chin, and thank God for commercials because there was a time between 2004 and 2010 
when you look at my IMDb, you don't see any TV or film. You see, you don't see, you don't see much of anything in between 2004 and 2010. And that's because I had a six year dry spell where I had to learn how to act again. I, I started over at a repertory theater company called Playhouse West uh, uh, under Bob Carnegie. And I learned the craft of, uh, of acting. I learned the Meisner technique and, and um, I really, really studied, you know, the craft of acting and got myself to, to where I was ready for opportunities when they were going to present themselves mm. again. And I never gave up and thank God for commercials though, because I shot a lot of commercials in the meantime to, to, uh, you know, to stay in the game. Cause you know, a lot of times, you know, commercial money can, can kind of keep you, keep you, uh, keep you acting, yeah. keep you pursuing. I've had a few guests on that. They love doing the commercials. Cause you know, you get, sometimes you get that little dry spell. You're, you're not getting work and you're like, you know what? Those commercials <laughs> helped out a lot. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. I, I've I've been very lucky to to do a lot of commercials and um, work with a lot of great directors, you know, doing it and doing doing them and and it's been uh, it's been awesome, man. I, 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 but it, it keeps you in the game. It keeps you in the game, and you know, in between those uh, TV and film gigs. So uh, you recently had a role in Ford vs. Fry. We mentioned earlier, which just got nominated. And how awesome was being on something like that? Uh, it was incredible. Uh, it was one of the uh, most exhilarating uh, things I've ever done was sitting in that race car going well over 100 miles an hour around a track uh, with professional racers, some of the best racers in the world flying around you, like racing around you. It's just, you know, in the middle of that scrum. And and uh, it's something I'll never forget. I, I even told... And he told Jim, James Mangold, I, I told him after uh, after we shot all the Daytona stuff, I told him, I said, that was one of the most exhilarating things I've ever done in my entire life. I can't, uh, you know, I, I'll never be able to thank you yeah. enough. So um, tell, us about, like, tell us about your audition for that when you went in. Well, it was uh, interesting because I, I auditioned for a couple of the different characters. I think I auditioned to play the doctor at the beginning and then uh, I think I auditioned to play the guy who comes in um, and is complaining about the guy who, who Christian Bale's working on his car, and then and then the guy's having trouble driving it. Uh, I auditioned to play that guy. I don't think he had a name though. Um, so that's what I'm trying to like I'm trying to remember the character, the character name, uh, but. I auditioned for a couple different roles and for some reason uh, they put me, they, they uh, put me in the role of Walt Hansgen and Walt Hansgen was, was an incredible racer. Next thing you know, I was, I was, I was on my way to France. The, the scene from France that I shot with Christian Bale didn't make it, but uh, I did get to go to France and I got to go to Le Mans and uh, I got to visit, you know, the 24 hours of Le Mans museum. And, you know, I got to, I got to work, uh, on set with one of the greatest actors in the world, Christian Bale, and and uh, as well as uh, I got to work with Matt Damon as well, and 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 those two guys were ultimate professionals and two of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. It was really it was an incredible experience, and I got to see France for a week, and then I shot the last couple weeks 
we were shooting here in uh, in the states. So I was like, the, I was the first week, and then I was the last uh, couple weeks here in the states. So I was first and last in the movie. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and and it was it was really cool, man. It was mm. it's it's an experience I'll never forget. Did you do any research uh, when you got the part of Walt? Did you go online yeah. and like, do some research? Yeah, you know I. I you know he's got a he's got an autobiography that's kind of hard to find, so I had to I had to do some digging, but I, I but I got it, and it's uh, Walt Hansgen, um, you know, uh, post World War II America, and and he he was an incredible racer. The guy didn't start racing until he was 32 years old. He grew up he grew up working at his dad's body shop, auto body shop in New Jersey. And he just was around cars his whole life. And when he was 32 years of age, uh, he's already married, decides he's going to go and watch a race at Watkins Glen with his good buddies. He goes out, watches this race at Watkins Glen, comes back, tells his wife, I am going to become a racer. (laughs) She's like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes and buys an XK120, uh, Jaguar XK120, right? It's this incredible race. Uh, it's, a, it's a very fast car. He buys this car, brings it home. Uh, his wife is like, what is this? He's like, well, I took a loan. I'm going to start racing this. She, you know, she almost divorces him over. She thinks he's lost his mind. Two years later, okay, that was 1951. Two years later, 1953, he wins Watkins Glen wow. in a car that he built by himself, yeah. based on based on the Jaguar XK120 model. So he raced that for two years. It was like, you know what? I can I can make I can make a car that's even better than this, like this, and makes the car, wins Watkins Glen, and they called it the Hansgen Special. He wins it in the Hansgen Special. So after that, he starts getting sponsorships to race other. I think he raced uh, with uh, Briggs Cunningham for a long time. And then uh, he uh, had a little stint with Maserati. And then I think he went to Ford at the end. And he was an incredible racer. He won, he won Watkins Glen four times, won Virginia International Raceway uh, or Speedway, uh, won that multiple times. He... Uh, he, 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 he just, he just, he was, he was a, he was a really excellent racer and one of the nicest guys off the track, a family man, but on the track, he was a formidable racer and he actually beat Shelby a couple times, believe it or not, uh, in different races. Uh, he won Sebring one. I mean, the guy, the guy was just, he was bridge Hampton. He, he was, he was, he was a incredible guy. Mm. So and you, so what happened was what you don't what you don't get to see in the movies he he actually died the night or he he crashes the night before Le Mans. Wow. And so and yeah, I think, uh he was yeah, on I think, test, he, yeah, I think he, he died on, in 1966 I think I saw something online about that. Right? Yeah, he yeah. died the, he died the night he, he well he didn't die right away. He he went into a coma for 5 days and later died. No. Uh and, but he died in France and um uh, I think when his family, you know, when his family came out there, because what happened was he was on a test run the night before and they in and track was wet and they even told him to slow down a little bit. 
and uh, he started losing a little bit, so he took an escape route, which the year before in 65 was an escape route, but in 66 they put up a different concrete barrier to protect the spectators, and he hit that head first and went into a coma, and <clears throat> his wife and kids, you know, I think they – that, you know, they were worried, they were concerned, but he had been in, he had been in wrecks before he'd been, you know, he'd been banged up before. So I think they thought that when they, you know, when they got there, you know, he, uh, you know, obviously they, they knew it was serious, but I think a part of them didn't realize, you know, how serious it was until they were actually there and they saw him in wow. a coma and he, he, and he wow. never woke up. He died five days later. Wow. Um, so in those racing scenes that you were in, how do they film those scenes exactly? Like you're not actually driving that car. No, but uh, you're you're hooked up to a turbocharged truck, and so looks like I'm driving. Uh, I hate to you know you know be show the uh, the wizard behind the curtain, but yeah. so I'm not actually I'm not actually driving because I'm a terrible driver, and uh, chances are I'd probably crash, but. Uh, that being said, uh, being in that car, I felt like I was, you feel like you're in the middle of Daytona, you wow. feel it. And so that's probably, that's probably why it was easy to act all those scenes because you feel, you feel, you feel the roar of the engines of all the other cars racing around you. Cause you're hooked up to a turbocharged truck with four cameras on the hood and they're just they're catching your reaction and i'm actually reacting to all the cars that are around me that are racing around me and but it's very choreographed and the guys that that are that are that are racing around me and the guy who was uh driving the lead truck that was driving me some of the best racers in the world and they were fantastic and you know uh it, it like I said, it'll always be something that I'll never forget. Would you say that's your favorite? So, would you say that's your favorite moment on the set? The racing yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah, it's up, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty up there. It's yeah. pretty up there. I, I would definitely, yeah. I would definitely say it's one of my favorite moments, yeah. if not the favorite moment that I've ever had in my nineteen-year career. <laughs> so, how did you? Um, I mentioned earlier you also do stand-up comedy. How did you get like into that? Also. Well, like I said before, I was I was I was having a, a rough patch there where I wasn't I wasn't working. <clears throat> I think I was carrying around I think I was carrying around a chip on my shoulder for a long time that that the next action star thing hadn't worked out and that I had failed, you know, my big opportunity. I mean, cuz you only get so many big opportunities like that in a career, you yeah. know, the big moments and, and that's, you know, that's that's why you have to be ready for that. And I just wasn't ready. And, you know, I, I think for years I kind of kicked myself that I didn't get an acting coach or I should have had, should have worked on this a little bit more with somebody, but I just didn't know at the time. And, and, um, and then you feel like a failure. And so for a long time, I felt like a failure and I read Steve Martin's book called born standing up. <laughs> That's a great book. Where it's a great book. And, I read that book and, you know, he talked about the thousands of times that he bombed. And I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, I understand failing. I understand that. I understand, 
And I understand having a sense of humor and telling funny stories at family get-togethers and whatnot. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. I understand uh, getting together at, at, at you know, a, a big family get-together and, and, and telling stories, funny stories to your friends and having them all laugh. I mean, I think I come from a family of storytellers on my, both my mom's side and, and my dad's side, and, you know, Coming, you know, I got I got Irish on both sides, and you know, just a it's a, a fun drinking, uh, funny atmosphere, and and I and, and I knew I knew what that felt like, and I just thought to myself, hey, maybe I can give this a try and make a room full of strangers laugh, and so I started, and uh, next thing you know, I I. Uh, I started started really enjoying it, and then I I got some some tutoring from Greg Dean and Gayla Johnson, who uh, who kind of mentored me a little bit, and they told me you need to make a stand up bit about failing in that movie on NBC. Bet your life, <coughs> and and so I went ahead and uh, and made a a set called I'm a failure. It's actually one of my, my only early sets that's still up online on YouTube. It's called Sean Kerrigan. I'm a failure. You can check it out. But the second I made fun of my failure, I think from there, I, it was, I released, I released that monkey off my back yeah. and the chip was off my shoulder. And next thing you know, I, I started working again. I got a, I got a new agent. And I think in a lot of ways, comedy kind of saved my career. And that's why I still love it. And why I still do it. Yeah. Do you like touring with the yeah. comedy? <clears throat> um, sorry, I keep coughing. Sorry about that, man. That's okay. Uh, uh, I love, I love getting out on the road. Uh, there's nothing like getting out, uh, doing new places, seeing new people. Um, meeting meeting new friends i mean it's it's i think i think getting out on the road can be can be challenging sometimes especially if you're trying to stay in la yeah and uh and book new gigs so uh sometimes it's you know you got to kind of pick and i i have to pick and choose the places that want i want to go perform at um because i'm it's hard to get off the grid uh, of LA when I'm, when I'm trying to pursue my TV and film, but, um, but I get out there every once in a while. I've done some shows up in Canada. I've gone up to Montana a bunch of times, get up to Fresno here and there and, uh, done some, some shows back East. And, and so it's always fun. It's always fun to get out on the road. A couple of years ago, you had a video that went viral through you did a Brett Favre uh, impression. Yeah. That, how, yeah. <laughs> tell us about that. Like how did, how did all that happen? Well, believe it or not, I was I was doing stand up one night and one of the other comics uh made a made a joke about me looking like Brett Favre. And then afterwards a guy came up to me, this guy Dan Peralt, uh came up to me and he goes, Hey man, uh me and my buddy we wrote uh a funny you know, a funny uh, sketch about Brett Favre. Would you be interested in in playing him? And I thought to myself I was like, hell yeah, 
I'm looking for a farm. It'd be hilarious. Yeah. And it was right around the time the sexting scandal, and he was retiring and unretiring, retiring and unretiring. And, and so next thing you know, uh, we shot this video. And I remember the day we started to shoot. I think it was New Year's Day. We, we, yeah, it was New Year's Day. We shot it. And, went to this park and we were just, you know, shooting this video. They had gotten some extras to come out. And I remember thinking to myself, cause the, the, the director, Tony Ascenda and Dan Peralt, the guy who, who helped write it. I remember watching these two guys work and watching how funny they were. And then next thing you know, we had this video that was really funny and it, and it made the rounds. I think we got like uh four and a half million views or something and they showed parts of it on espn and yeah. and next thing you know yeah next thing you know we we uh we had a, we had a little viral hit on our hands and then we didn't do anything for a couple months after that and then it sh- slowly after that we started doing some some more stuff i i went to those guys i was gonna I, you know I, I said to the i said to those guys hey look uh we had some success with this brett Favre. uh what should i do video what do you think uh what do you think about like doing some more stuff and so then we just kept making making more videos and you know i produced a lot of them and then uh next thing you know i got young on the restless and then tony got something else and then dan went off and did something else and and we all kind of like kind of helped all the funny videos we did kind of helped launch our careers and uh and uh you know other branches of the you know of the industry but we still, you know, we're waiting for that that opportunity where we we all start working together again. Mm-hmm. But it's been it's been amazing. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, and and, and and Brett Favre saw that video too. Yeah, a buddy of mine did a yeah, a buddy of mine did a uh, did a uh, a charity event with him, and and he <laughs> admitted that he saw it, and uh, he said he had a couple chuckles. Yeah. So yeah, I, I used to love Brett Favre back in the day too. I thought he was awesome. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, what's next for Sean for 2020? Well, um, <clears throat> that's, uh, yet to be seen. Uh, just shot, shot a commercial the other day. I'm shooting another Dodge commercial, uh, next week. And then we'll see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, got, I've got a, you know, I got another film that came out called Ernesto's Manifesto that's out. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've just, uh, we'll just wait and see what, what the next opportunity that presents itself is. Yeah. Just keep on so, grinding, right? Yeah. And I'll be doing, I'll be doing a uh, stand up all over town. So you can catch me at the, most of the nights I'm a regular at the Ha Ha Comedy Club in North Hollywood. Yeah. And, uh, I just had a show at the comedy store this last weekend. And so I just kind of bounce around. That's awesome. Uh, lastly, how can yeah. the, how can the listeners, uh, find you on social media uh they can find me at sean kerrigan on twitter and then at the real sean kerrigan on instagram and that's s-e-a-n-d-a-r-r-i-g-a-n sean this was fun thank you for coming on hey thanks a lot man i appreciate it man that's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, 
Facebook and Instagram at the MCC Podcast and our website, the MCC Podcast.com. Until next time. Time, time, time.